Hey, go Cougs. You know, I appreciate Dan recognizing, you know, greatness in, in WSU and, you know, all that propaganda he gives about the purple and gold, whatever. But, hey, you know, today, as we wrap up this series, this Lessons from the Lake series, you know, as Dan was, you know, walking you back through where we've been, um, you know, for me, um, you know, Dan gave this assignment to me in a sense, hey, you want to preach? Um, you know, this, this was months ago not knowing I was going to have knee replacement surgery in the middle of July. And so I was supposed to preach two weeks ago. And, you know, I told Kenny and Zach, it's like, hey, can we switch? There's no way I'm going to be able to preach, you know, coming right out of surgery. And so we switched. But here was the piece that, you know, for me, was really a God piece. I didn't know what Jay was going to preach on last week. You know, that he was going to preach about your, your boat being shipwrecked. Well, today in a sense, it's really going to be a part two of that. And, you know, sitting here on the stool, you know, I was a school teacher for years, and sitting was not what I like to do. I, I like to stand and be engaged. And, you know, so, so I hope, you, you know, sitting on this stool is something, there's a little bit of grace because, you know, having this knee replacement surgery, it, it's hard. It's, you know, as I'm healing up. But here's the part, when we're talking about the gospel of Christ, Man, it's, it's energizing to me. It's hard to sit back and talk about Jesus. And so, you know, today as we walk through this story, you know, hopefully, you know, this is going to be something that is going to relate with the situation you're in. That the situation that you're in. And before we get into, you know, this series, you know, I just want to encourage you, you know, watching is find a way to get connected. You know, we have a relationship series starting in September that we're going to have all sorts of groups available for those that aren't in groups. And this is going to be an all-church series. The little kids are going to go through it. The students are going to go through it. Seniors and life groups and even our young adults. You know, we're setting up, you know, some opportunities for our young adults to get fully engaged in this. And so today, you know, as we walk through um, the last part of this lessons from the lake. You know, I, I want to start by asking you a question. Are you in the middle of a storm? Are you in the middle of a storm right now? Because I, I'm guessing the majority of you are in some way. You know, I, I think about the storms in my life and one of the ones, you know, I remember most vividly that I think really connects to this story that we're going to talk about with Jesus. I, I was a summer camp counselor years ago. I was 21 years old, and I end up going to Flathead Lake on this counselor exchange. And so it's me, my buddy Derek, and we got a cabin of 10 10-year-old kids. And man, they're just a bundle of energy. They want to stay up late. And, you know, I'm 21. I got a bunch of energy. You know, we played hard. But on Wednesday of that week, I'll, I'll never forget this day. You know, they're like, hey, can we go out to the island and have lunch? You know, 10-year-olds are like, of course, let's, let's go do something. And me as a 21-year-old, you know, it was that part of, why not? You know, what could happen? And so me and Derek and our 10, 10-year-olds, 10 we all get life jackets on. And, you know, we get to the dock where these rickety old aluminum canoes are. And so Derek gets in the first canoe. He has his three kids. 
And then in the middle canoe, uh, we got four kids in life jackets. I'm in the last one. And so, you, you know, as, as I'm at the spot, I'm just about ready to s- step into this canoe. And, and there's this man, you know, I, I think he was like the founder of this camp or something. Um, and he goes, hey, storms come pretty fast here. And I was just like, okay. I mean, I, I literally, I had no context for what he was talking about. So, we get in the canoes, we paddle out to this island to have lunch. And, you know, like all 10-year-old kids, we eat and throw food at each other and camel fights in the water. But as we're wrapping up lunch, I look off in the distance and I see this black cloud coming. And, and you know, and there's kind of that part like, storms come pretty fast. And I was like, you know, it's way down there. And so, you know, we get in the canoes and we start paddling. I look behind me this cloud's coming. Storms come fast. And so, you know, we're all in our canoe and we're just, we're paddling and all of a sudden the ripples on the water become waves on the water. And then the waves on the water become white caps on the water and we're getting jostled around. It, it's crazy. The storm came fast and now it's windy. It's pouring down rain on us and Derek's in the first canoe. I'm in the back canoe and all of a sudden, the wind starts pushing us to the shore. And I, I'm just like, uh-oh. But the kids in the middle canoe, they have no concept of what's going on because they got their head down, and they're just rowing and rowing and rowing for all they're worth. No concept that two of the canoes just got pushed ashore. And so as we get close to the shore, our canoes swamp. And, you know, I'm looking at Derek. You know, we're, we're not very far, so we, you know, get to shore but these four kids in the middle canoe, they're out of sight by now. They, they've gone around the bend and the storm is violent at this point. And there's a house up on the hill. And so Derek and I, we just, we run up there for all we're worth, you know, and we call the camp and it's like, you guys, there's a canoe out on the lake with kids in it. And there is this moment, <laughs> there is this moment in my life and I'm just like, this day is going to end tragically. Something is going to happen to these kids. And, you know, and I was just thinking about that moment of the storm out there on Flathead Lake, Montana. And, you know, as I, as I go to today, you know, it's, it's kind of a question, you know, I just asked a couple minutes ago. How many of you are in the middle of a storm? How many of you are in the middle of a storm? And, you know, that storm can take a lot of different looks. For some of you, it's a relationship storm. Your marriage is fractured. There's tension in your home. You know, parents and kids finding this distance, kids and parents. You know, maybe it's with your coworkers. Maybe it's with your friends. And you're just finding, I'm in a storm. And often that storm, it comes quick. Sometimes it feels like, I didn't even see that coming. You know, for some of you, it's a financial storm. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you're wondering, hey, how do I make, you know, ends meet? There's more month than money left. And I don't know what's going to happen, how we're going to get to the end of this month. You know, for some of you, maybe you're losing your job. Maybe, you know, something happened, a big bill that you're just like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And you're in the middle of a storm. For some of you, it's a health crisis. Maybe it's with you. Maybe it's with a loved one that that storm came quickly. It was one phone call and all of a sudden it's like everything changes. 
because you're in the middle of a health storm. You know, for some of you, maybe it's just, you know, unmet expectations that you have, but it's just, it's swirling. And you have the same voice that I had of that guy at the end of the dock that said, hey, storms come quickly. Storms come quickly here. And, you know, today, I, I want to talk about the storm. Because some of you are in a storm, and those of you that aren't in a storm right now, you're going to be. You're going to be. You know, most of you, we've done life long enough. We know there's seasons that are stormy. But here, here's the piece, is looking at, God, what am I supposed to do in the storm? What am I supposed to do? And, you know, today, you know, after we're all done, you know, I, I don't want you just to go away going, hey, I learned a story about, you know, a canoe in Montana. No, I, I want you to remember what God said. And so, like every Sunday, we want to go to God's word because that's the anchor of our faith. It's God's word. It's the resurrection of Christ, you know, that girds us up. And so today, we're going to be in the book of Luke. And so we're going to go to chapter 8. And here's the thing. In, in the book of Luke, um, you know, Jesus is with his disciples. And, you know, we're going to start in verse 22. So if you have your Bibles, if you have, you know, an app, why don't you open it up, you know, and uh, read along with us. Here's what it says in Luke 8. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Now, I want you to remember that phrase. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. So they got in a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Now, you have to remember these disciples, these 12 disciples, you know, many of them grew up in this area. Many of them spent their whole lives on this lake, and so did their families and their grandparents on this lake fishing. So they know the water. But what does it say? They knew they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. So he got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. Then Jesus said this phrase. And this is the phrase that we're going to just really anchor on today. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? In the middle of this storm, where's your faith? He asked his disciples this. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. You know, isn't that how it is in a storm sometimes? You just feel like, God, I got this storm going on and it feels like Jesus is asleep. That he doesn't care. It's like, God, where are you in the middle of this storm? And you know, for the disciples, he was right there. These boats aren't enormous by any means. It's not like it's Bill Gates' yacht. You know, these boats... It, is he's right there. He's sleeping. And, you know, sometimes when I go through that storm, I think it feels like Jesus is asleep, but I know he's right there. But here's the part with the disciples. This is in Luke chapter 8. You know, so sometimes it's like, well, let's see what happened before that in Luke 1 to 7. And here's, here's what happened in those chapters. Jesus healed the paralyzed man. 
Jesus healed the leper. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus raised a dead man to life. And you know, I think about the disciples. They saw all this. They were witnesses to all of it. And here they are in a storm and Jesus is in their boat, asleep. So, that's the scripture. Let me give you some bearings on the Sea of Galilee. Because, you know, sometimes we just think, well, that's way over, you know, in the Middle East, you know, over by Jordan and Israel. But, you know, I, I want to describe it for you. So, the Sea of Galilee is roughly seven miles wide, eight miles wide by about 13 miles long. And so to put that in a local context, Coeur d'Alene Lake, if you were standing at the Coeur d'Alene Resort, you know, from the west to the east, that Cougar Gulch Bay over to Wolf Lodge, that's roughly seven to eight miles. And then from the resort, if you went south, you're going down to about Rockford Bay. That's about the size of the Sea of Galilee. But here's the thing with the Sea of Galilee, it's also about 700 feet below sea level. It's the lowest freshwater lake on the planet. But geographically, here's what's unique about it. It's also surrounded by these mountains. You know, that's where Mount Hermon is, about 9,000 feet up. And so the warm air of the lake, the cold air of the mountains hit, and storms come quickly. Storms come quickly. But here's the other unique thing about the Sea of Galilee. The left side, the west side, is mostly Jewish. That's where Jesus fed the 5,000. That's where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. And what did Jesus say? Remember back in Luke 8? It said, hey, we're going to the other side. But what was the other side? So the east side, the right side, was mostly Gentile. Pagans. Worshiping false idols. This is where the Decapolis was, these 10 cities you know, that were in, involved in false worship and false idols. And Jesus says, we're going to the other side. But here's the thing. The people on the left side don't want to go to the right side. The people on the right side want nothing to do with the people on the left side. And what does Jesus do? In the middle, he says, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. So when I think about that question, where's your faith? You know, for the disciples, they really forgot three things. They forgot three things. The first thing they forgot was Jesus' promise. They forgot his promise. Jesus told them, I'm going to the other side. But I just think, you know, for, for me, when I'm in a storm... You know, I think about some storms, you know, I've had in my life. Probably one of the most profound ones, you know, when Carrie and I were first married, we wanted to start a family right away. And we're struggling through infertility. And it was stormy. It felt hopeless that we're never gonna have a family. But we had to remember God's promise. His promise was, Stephen Carrie, I love you. I'll never leave you. You're my son and my daughter. You know, and then a few years later, you know, we had ended up having two biological kids. God put on our heart this desire for adoption. We saw this video about a Chinese orphanage and felt like God spoke and he said, this is what I want you to be about. I want you to adopt 
Chinese orphans. And I know scripture, I know James 1.27, it says, true and undefiled religion is this, that you care for the orphans and the widows in their distress. For us, the conviction was caring for orphans meant adopting them. And so we did. But here, here's the part where the storm was. You know, it was expensive. It was hard. We had little kids wondering, how's this all gonna work? But we had to go back to God's promise. His promise was, I called you to this. I called you to this. And that's what we had to cling to. You know, and I, I think about that whole idea, you know, of orphans and widows. Um, you know, one, one of the things, you know, that has happened recently here at this church, you know, our partner in Uganda, Ronald Cazito, you know, he's a pastor at Living Spring Church. He has 100 widows and 800 orphans that are part of this church. So when we look at James 1.27 about true and undefiled religion is this, that you care for the orphans and the widows, man, they're totally living it out. But it was a year and a half ago, November, I believe, of 2019, that Pastor Dan stood right here, right on this spot, and he started telling the church about what was happening. And what was happening was this that there's these widows that are living in mud huts. These mud huts had mud floors. You know, they were dirt floors. During the rainy season, they were literally sleeping in mud. I've walked in these huts. I mean, they're not even a shed for us. I hate to say that, but, you know, and then at the doorway, all they had was a piece of fabric going down. And so these widows, they're being violated and hurt, you know, in the nighttime, and so these widows, they don't feel safe. They're broken, but yet they're responsible for these kids. And so we presented that need that for $3,000, you could build a house for these widows. That was a year and a half ago. And I want to show you an update of what God did in the middle of a storm with some widows thousands of miles away. Take a look. Hey VRL, I have some super exciting updates that I wanna share with you about our partner church in Uganda. We have been spending the last two years trying to help build some safe and secure homes for the widows and orphans over there. I've actually had the privilege to go over to Uganda two times. I was really struck by the devastation that these women and children are living in. The, these homes that are barely put together with mud and sticks and banana leaves. There are mud floors. These women and children have no protection from the elements and they also have no protection from people that would come in and steal from them and even rape some of the women. I just remember being there and feeling struck that me by myself couldn't do anything to really help this situation. But while we were there, Dan was actually speaking on Orphan Sunday and he mentioned how there had been this small kind of individual movement to try to get some new houses paid for for a couple of the families in Living Spring Church. And then at the end of the message, he mentioned that if people wanted to potentially keep helping, they could talk to Steve Allen after the service. While we were there riding around in the van with Ronald, Steve kept texting us saying, hey, guess what? Another house got funded. Another house got funded. And we're riding around with Ronald and sharing this with him and just the joy and astonishment on his face that we over here, thousands of miles away, would come put our finances together to try to help these women and children over in Uganda. So as of now, about two years later, 
We, Valley Real Life Church, have contributed to building and funding 63 houses for orphans and widows in Fort Portal, Uganda. If that's not reason to celebrate and jump up and down, I don't know what is. There could be nothing more exciting than this. These women and children, they are thankful that we have the financial resources to pay for these houses. But about a thousand times more than that, they're thankful to God for His ultimate provision, for His love, His grace, and His abounding faithfulness. I just pray that we as a church would join our brothers and sisters in Uganda and just thank God for everything that He has done these last two years. People, <laughs> I am blown away that this church funded 63 houses, $189,000 for widows they've never met, they don't know, but there is a need. You know, and, and these widows were just clinging to that promise of, I love you. My daughter, I love you, God would say to them. You know, I'll care for you. Just like in Matthew where it says, you know, consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. How much more does God love us? And God provided these homes. These homes are, I mean, they're awesome. I've walked in them, cement floor. There's three rooms. The kids live in one. There's a little central sitting area. The widow with the babies would be in the other one. Locking door, locking windows. It has literally changed the lives of these women in that community because a bunch of people got involved in the middle of the storm and made a difference. And they made a difference. You know, and, and that's the piece. In the middle of the storm, you know, whether it's relationships or finances or health, you, you know, it, it's, it's hard to remember, God, what's your promise? You know, and as you look at this book, as at this book, you know, you got to go through and look for God. What's your promise? What's your promise? Promise is God loves you. Promise is He wants relationship with you. Promise is He knows your need. Promise is He answers prayers. I mean, throughout Scripture, there's all these promises that God offers, and He's just saying, You're my child. Would you just call upon me? Remember my promise. But here's, here's what happens. You know, when we're in the middle of a storm, and, and people, honestly, I'm no different. I, this is my first tendency too, oftentimes, is when I'm in the middle of the storm, what happens is fear creeps in. I'm afraid. I don't know how this is gonna end. And fear is the natural response. <laughs> but faith. Faith is the supernatural response. And so that's the question. Do you want to live by faith or do you want to live by fear? Do you want to live by the flesh or do you want to live by the spirit? And so you got to ask yourself, when you're in a crisis, when you're in a storm, what do you do? What, what's your tendency? Because most people, they start looking inward instead of upward. I know I do that so often and I'm just like, God, I don't want to be that man. I'm 55 years old. I know better, but... Sometimes the flesh is winning out. Fear is the natural response, but faith is the supernatural. And here's the second thing, you know, that the disciples forgot. First, they forgot Jesus' promise. Second, they forgot Jesus' presence. He's right there. He's in the boat. And as a follower of Christ, 
Jesus is in your boat. He's in your boat. That's the promise. When you put your life and faith in Jesus Christ and you follow him and you surrender to him and you repent of your sins and follow him, that's the promise. Jesus is in your boat. You know, last summer when I had open heart surgery and I had this stroke which cost me my vision and I'm hearing this is a big stroke, you know, potentially life-threatening, I had to go back and remember Jesus is in my boat. Jesus is gonna walk with me. It might, I don't know what the outcome's gonna be, but there's comfort in knowing Jesus is with me right in the middle of the storm. Right in the middle of the storm. And you know, preaching God's word, you know, I, I gotta be honest with you, many of you that are watching, you're not a follower of Christ. You're not, you never come to that spot of total surrender to him. Maybe today's that day. You know, and this isn't just the, you know, puppies and rainbow message. Hey, just, you know, raise your hand and okay, you're good. No, this is the idea. This is what the gospel says. The gospel is a message that says to come and die. To come and die to yourself, to crucify yourself and totally surrender and be two feet in with him. And that's what God's asking. And so today, maybe for you, it's that spot of, God, I'm in this storm. I'm apart from you, and I need you. You know, and if that's you, I mean, you can pray that right now, wherever it is that you're watching this. You can connect with your online host. You can, you know, text or email or call the church. There's people here that want to help you through this journey. They want to help you through the faith journey. They want to help you through that faith journey. You know, when I think, when I look at scripture, you know, maybe the most common command in scripture is this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And people, that's hard because I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm afraid. There, I, when I was out in the canoes, I was afraid. But the second half of that line, it says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. And that's the promise in scripture. In Matthew 28, it says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. In Isaiah, don't be afraid, for I am with you. In Hebrews, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And in Romans, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in you. It's Jesus' presence. His presence is in you. You know, and that's the, that's the peace. You know, often I just think, God, I just want peace in my life. But so often I just think, you know, God, I, your peace doesn't come from finding a lake with no storms. It comes from having Jesus in the boat. I know, you know, for my wife and I, you know, I know there's gonna be some hard storms coming, but I want unshakable faith. I want that faith they talk about in Psalms and Hebrews, that faith that is unshakable, that I remember God's promise. I remember God's presence. That's the unshakable faith that I want. 
But it's also the unshakable faith that God's here to provide, to grow in that faith. The third thing that the disciples forgot, they forgot Jesus' promise, they forgot Jesus' presence, and then they forgot Jesus' power. They forgot Jesus' power. And I think, you know, in the first eight chapters, did they not remember that Jesus just raised the dead? He can't calm the storm. I mean, he has power over nature. It's crazy. And I just think, God, I want that power that you promise. You know, and, and you, oftentimes you hear that, you know, that, you know, you, when, when you put your faith in Christ, you know, that, that scripture that says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, at that point of salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And I just think, what does that power mean? Does that mean I'm gonna be able to lift a car, you know, off a, a body or something like that? But, you know, here's what I think that means when you talk about God's power. First, it's the power to conquer sin. It's the power to conquer sin. You know, you think about your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups and those things. So often, I, I know this is, you know, kind of where I land. Well, I just gotta try harder. I have to be more deliberate. You know, I, I have to do this. I, 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 I. And that's not what God's saying. It's him. I have to learn to submit and surrender and let God's power indwell me to find victory over sin. The second thing is God has the power to heal. God, I mean, throughout scripture, he healed people. You know, I was in Egypt you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago or something, I saw a man, I mean, he's three feet away from me who was deaf and he got his hearing back. I was there, I witnessed it, I saw it and it was because this man came and laid hands on him and prayed and he was healed. But here's the part, I don't know why God heals some people and not others. You know, I, I, just, I just gotta trust his ways are higher than my ways. But I know when I'm walking through times like I have been, you know, where God, I need your healing. As I'm leaning into God, I'm finding my heart changing. I'm finding my desires changing. God, I wanna be more like you. You know, the third thing is that power is that power to reconcile. You know, you think about your broken relationships. You think about, you know, that distance you might have or just even reconcile you to God. God gives you the power to reconcile. You know, where you start getting to the end of yourself. You know, God's in the reconciliation business, and I believe that's one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit indwells me. And then finally, you know, the fourth one is to sanctify you. To sanctify, to make you more like Christ. To make you more like Christ daily. And I know tomorrow morning, I'm gonna have to wake up, you know, and just, God, fill me again. Fill me again. I want to walk in your power. I want to be surrendered to your spirit. God, fill me. But that's the promise of scripture, you know, throughout the entire scripture in Ephesians, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. In 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. In Isaiah, go to the Old Testament. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. In 2 Corinthians, God's power is working in us. In Ephesians, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. God's 
power. And, you know, I remember back in college, you know, I, I had this guy that was discipling me. You know, man, I just, I clung to every word he said. And he said, Steve, do you have a Bible? And it's like, well, yeah, I do. He goes, hey, is it a red letter edition? It's like, I have no idea. I don't even know what a red letter edition Bible is. And he goes, hey, you know, go, to, go here. He goes, the words Jesus said, are they in red? And it's like, well, yeah, they are, matter of fact. He goes, here's what I want you to do for the next month, the next year, the next week, maybe just the next hour. Do this. Read the red and pray for the power. Read the red and pray for the power. Read God's promise. Read who, get to know the character of God and then just pray that that will begin to transform you. Read the red and pray for the power. Read the red and pray for the power. And so as, as we wrap up today, you know, here's the question for you. What is your next step? Where's your faith? Is your faith more rooted in you and your solutions? Or is it rooted in the God that in one moment can just say, peace, be still. That's the God we serve. So I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Remember God's promise. Remember God's presence. Remember God's power in the middle of the storm. He'll get you through it. It's going to be hard. And sometimes storms, they leave scars. But God's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He'll walk through it. No matter how dark it seems, there's hope. There's hope for tomorrow. Let me pray for you. And Jesus God, no matter how stormy it is, in one moment, you can just say, peace, be still. And you can calm the storm. You can calm our hearts. And God, I just pray you would do that for every person watching. God, show yourself to them. Show yourself to them today. And God, be glorified. In Jesus' name. You know, I want to leave you with one thing. You know, this is, this is an Old Testament passage. And, and just feeling like, you know, today, I, I just want to pray a blessing over you and your home. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. Give you peace. Amen. Have a great day.